from WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Arts Editor Skylar Ashley filling in for Burl Schwartz. On today's show, we're going to find out about an underground comedy venue that brings live entertainment to its audience direct from the front porch of an East Lansing house. But first, we're going to check in with Teresa Rosado, head of the radically inclusive Latinx Cultural Center and Art Gallery, Casa de Rosado. Currently, it is hosting an exhibit that is a tribute to the late Rosa Lopez Killips that features seven unique artists from all across the great state of Michigan and a handful of local artists from right here in Lansing. Teresa also talks about her plans for Casa de Rosado in the coming months. A tribute to Rosa Lopez Killips and a lot of people don't realize you know, she's a, an artist as well as like a community organizer. She passed away last year and uh, we decided to pay a tribute to her and show a few of her pieces. Um, so her husband pulled some things out in storage as well as her brother Lorenzo Lopez. And a lot of people know Lorenzo from Suits in the City, but he's also, and as well, he used to dance with his sister, like through folkloric dance, and they trained in Mexico and Spain, and uh, they've had a lot of formal training in dance. So, um, well, Rosa was also really instrumental in sharing her time and patience and, and love with students in the Lansing School District and encouraging them to pursue a higher degree and also the arts. So this is an exhibit in memory of her spirit. Um, so there's pieces by her, um, there's pieces by other artists too, right, that uh, contributed? Yeah, yeah, like our, our main uh, wall here of course features her work. Uh, she was. Uh, particularly a graphics designer, but she loved to layer images that reflect her heritage, her uh, Chicana heritage. And, um, and we have seven other artists in, in the exhibit too. Mm -hmm. so. so I guess uh, aside from uh, the tribute to uh, Rosa, I guess uh, what else has been going on at Casa de Rosado in the past few months? Uh, how, how, are th how have things been, I should oh, say? Well, up until then and this has yeah. been a real transition from like my you know during the pandemic my father was here um he was um you know bedridden for a while and needed at home care so we didn't want to put him in a nursing home which would have meant the family couldn't see him so he was actually here for a while and then he passed away and uh, so this space has really been <laughs> kind of a holding spot also for many of his belongings like you know we had to move everything from his house in here and then uh -huh. just actually a couple weeks ago <laughs> we moved it out so um yeah just sorting through all this stuff and then uh, you know we've had a lot of interest in like the you know vintage mexican wares and it's a crucial part of our um, funding for our dia de los muertos events and all mm -hmm. the events that we throw so we are doing like an, on October 30th, a large Dia de los Muertos event. And, but we're using COVID guidelines and um, it's gonna be a bit different than we normally do. We won't have food like we normally do. Mm. It'll be ticketed. 
and um, there'll be some other changes, but uh, we're also going to televise a lot of our video graph, um, a large portion of it, and, and broadcast it like premiere on like YouTube. Oh, cool. Like that. So, so people that are not able to go can still see it, and also, so I mean, it, last year because of the pandemic, we did not you have didn't a live drop event. off. We uh, had like in-home apprentices. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we had to take home sugar skulls, but we also had in-home apprentices, and we videoed each one, and mm -hmm. then had like a premiere. Oh, that was very cool. Facebook premiere, but this year we're gonna replicate some of them because doc we found documenting them was a lot of fun, and, mm -hmm. um, seeing them in people's homes, and how, you know, a lot of people think of them as a public thing, which they are. They have been like we've been doing this for this is the twenty-fifth year. We were counting back <laughs> how long we've been doing this in the community in Lansing, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, the DIA." Well, actually, the DIA does an exhibit of Dia de los Muertos. We're at, we are a community living; it's a living tradition in mm -hmm. our community. So, really, the DIA is replicating what you know the Chicanx community mm -hmm. is doing in the United States. So, we're a reflection of what you know other. Uh, exhibits are showing because we do it inside the we're gonna have it in a community um, center uh, on the corner of MLK and Homes this year so we're networking with some other groups uh, social justice groups to do better outreach in our neighborhoods mm -hmm. um, so besides the idea uh, de los muertos do you have um so, are you planning on getting back into doing uh, regular exhibits, you know, for a couple of months at a time? Like, are you going to schedule more stuff like this, or is the focus just going to be on community outreach? Where do uh, future exhibits play into your plans for the future? Well, I really, what we really want to emphasize, I mean, we call ourselves Casa de Rosado, but the full, the full name was Casa de Rosado Galleria and Cultural Center, so... Mm. We definitely, I mean, Dia de los Muertos consumes a huge amount of our time because this year we're organizing over 30 ofrendas as well as an artist mercado and performers at the event. And plus we're, you know, have the COVID. Um, what are the performers? Are you going to have them play outside over there? They're going to be at the community center oh, at okay. our MLK and Homes. So this will serve as a, a smaller location for educational purposes with a few ofrendas. But then our larger event will What's have the that community three. center. Uh, it's going to be at One Love. Uh, uh, One Love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, they generously offered us their space awesome. for that event, so that will be where the ticketed one is. Okay. At. And then, of course, you know, we're every Saturday and Sunday we're going to have like drop-in workshops um, throughout the month of september we'll have our sugar skull workshops on okay. saturdays and then sundays we'll start. does that include this uh, uh this saturday and yeah. next saturday yeah yeah we'll do those and there is a supply fee for that I what time does that start it's one to four uh, each saturday one to four yeah uh -huh. one to saturday and then sundays we'll have uh, eventually some of our like papel picado which is the cut paper workshops uh -huh. as well as papel flores which are these like uh floral things so people okay. just uh come in and uh i guess learn how to make sugar skulls or, uh... <laughs> yes yes decorate them um 
we now use uh, Venmo. They do have to exact cash, a check, or like we do use Venmo here, and so it's a great contact way to contact free way to set up requests. Mm -hmm. And then after, um, oh, after uh, Dia de los Muertos, yes, we do have other exhibits slated uh, and coming up or that we're working on. <laughs> so. We'll inform people more about what those are, but the changes this year because of the Delta variant will mean we won't have um, food served in the gallery like we okay. normally do, and people will be required to wear masks. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, those are the two main changes. So. Mm -hmm. This show is really important, Siempre Aquí. I mean, not only to pay tribute to Rosa, but really for the opportunities for artists to share their work. And a lot of times our local uh, Chicanx and Latinx artists get overlooked. You know, there may be somebody that coming from Chicago or somebody coming from another town. And many of them have been creating for decades too. And they're also well known in our community mm -hmm. as being exemplary artists and creating good, great work, works of art. Um, so. Uh, just because a person hasn't heard of our artist doesn't mean they're not uh, they're not good <laughs> well no just because a person hasn't heard of our artist doesn't mean they're already um established and maybe maybe in chicago they're known but here they're not so it's just kind of odd um, overlooking, you know, that happens between a lot of, um, some people will focus on artists from Texas or LA, but they kind of skip over our Michigan artists. And, mm -hmm. uh, I find too, I have to exhibit often out of town and I get better recognition out of town than I do here. So we're, we're, we're changing that here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're like, uh, you know, you'll see us become a 501c3 next year and get proper funding to hire, um, of organizations have um, live music and performances we'll start to have a budget that can fund those types of things that would be very cool yes and, and you know people there and a budget to afford you know a full um, COVID safety plan you know that will allow us to do more um, that's what you'll see changing over the next year you're listening to City Pulse on the air I'm arts editor Skylar Ashley this is 88.9 FM, The Impact. The Salsa Parlor has gained a strong word-of-mouth reputation around Lansing thanks to being one of the few remaining places you can catch a live stand-up comedy show. How does a comedy show operate out of a house? What's the vibe? How can you check out a show at the Salsa Parlor? Reporter Cole Tunningly has the story. Louis Michael has been doing comedy shows in East Lansing for years. He's kind of a fixture of the stand-up scene here. Recently, he started hosting his own house show, Salsa Parlor, with a rotating cast of roommates that each contribute something. Some of them host, some of them help book the show, some perform on it. It's a group effort. Back in June, the show made its triumphant return. It was originally going to be an outdoor show. Mother Nature and Michigan's unpredictable weather forced them back inside. So the one that got rained out, we were going to do in the yard, and we just said, F it. Like we were all vaccinated and that was back in June. Um, June was supposed to be a yard show. And we were like, you know what? Let's just do it inside. Now, four tornadoes did pass through mid-Michigan that day. 
we had a few comics uh, drop, which I was like, yeah, don't leave your cities. This is insane. But by like 8 p.m., the storms had passed through and it was clear as day again. So we're like, yeah, we'll still do the show with whoever shows up. And that first one packed out again. Like, well, at least the living room and the uh, dining room, you know, it wasn't like the old shows where the whole house was just sardine cans, but enough to the point where it's still an awesome show. So and the the second one was pretty much like that, a little bit more packed. The kitchen was full. And uh, I think the more we get going, as long as we don't go through lockdowns again, we'll have pretty full shows. Speaking of lockdowns, I wanted to know if Michael had encountered any pandemic jokes yet. Comedians are known for ripping their bits straight from the headlines. I wanted to get a reading on how COVID-19 was being talked about on stage. There's some like mask humor, maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, Diego Octanasio has some pretty good jokes about, you know, wearing his mask around, but I don't know. Professional comedians. I, I've definitely heard uh, some pretty funny jokes about the pandemic, but I think at our level, like I, I have darker jokes that aren't even about the pandemic. I think people are kind of over it, like unless it's a really, really funny bit or unique take. It's just kind of one of those subjects where it went from like maybe a universal experience we could all relate to to immediately hack it was gallows humor we all we all got through to survive so yeah i've heard some that have made me laugh but for the most part i think just covid and pandemic exhaustion people are not into it right now so i kind of i kind of am wondering maybe if it's gonna be one of those things in a couple of years that when you really can hindsight and do some some good jokes about it but yeah right now i haven't heard a ton For Michael himself, the pandemic was creatively fruitful. He took a break from stand-up writing to start working on sketch comedy and his YouTube show Loaded for Bear. Writing stand-up just felt weird without an audience to bounce ideas off of. Um, Like, I knew guys and gals for the first, like, two months of the lockdowns that were, like, really, really writing. But I think without the performative aspect of doing stand-up, writing purely stand-up without being able to try it, for me anyways... Uh, I started to feel like Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining where I'm like, nah, like I got to I got to I got to pivot until we're back to stand up, which um, that's just me. So I think I was right in the middle. I did write some stand up, but then I pivoted and wrote some other uh, tried to write humorous stuff. Anyways, I don't know if it's funny or not, but um, yeah, but I I don't uh, I do want to put this out there. I do not blame one damn person for either writing a ton or writing zero like i get both sides of it and like yeah yeah like some people dealt with it in different ways and i completely understand and respect it yeah not a judge of character or anything no no. No, man (laughs) after no it's such a weird world to be like you weren't writing like what's wrong with you like what what are you talking about like how are you judging somebody right now? And then the other people that were writing every day, I'm like, cool, but like, you know, <laughs> don't you kind of feel like you're stockpiling stale nukes right now? But <laughs> I don't know. Now that shows are back up and running, I wanted to know how Michael and his fellow comedians felt about getting back on stage. After all, a year's a long time to go without any practice. I think now most people have shaken the rust off. If I'm being pretty honest um like as far as stage performance goes it kind of circling back to the writing thing i haven't written or developed a new bit 
like until this month where I finally have like been writing enough where I'm like, okay, here's something I can really go back. Like I see a lot of people not only doing stuff they were doing before the pandemic, but a lot of people punching up like super old bits. I hadn't seen them do in years, but they're such a better comedian now that it seems like a new joke. Um, but I will say the like first show I did after the second round of lockdowns. So that would have been when did we get out of those like February of this year, 2021, uh-huh. something like that. Uh, I do remember I was I was with uh, comedians around the Battle Creek area doing a show and I um, people were having real good sets. And we all the, the the like joke of the night amongst the comics were like, hey, just like riding a bike, baby. <laughs> um, but I could tell you, no, that's not normally the case. There was a lot of rust, even at even at professional shows, you'd go to clubs and there'd be headliners with like a notebook on stage and they'd be like, hey, like, <laughs> you know, it's been been about 18 months. So we will see. Now that the rust has been shaken off, Michael is glad to see his show take off again. I wanted to know if things ever got out of control at a salsa parlor show. Inviting so many people into your house seems like a gamble. Michael said that there really haven't been too many problems. I will say some of the after parties would get like a little rambunctious at the older one. But like, no, now, like, dude, I'm I'm older now. Like, I'm not in my early 20s anymore. I'm in my late 20s and I'm just kind of like tired and people kind of get the the energy of the show is Again, just it has just a touch of professionalism. And so, like, even the people that show up like hammered kind of walk in and they're like, whoa, like, this is not just slapped together. There's, you know, there's like an air of put togetherness about it. And um, I think the vibe we put out there is like, hey, have a good time. Have all the fun you want. And I mean, you know, it's it's pretty like no rules other than, you know, don't F up the show. And you know, with that kind of vibe comes like, please don't steal our shit. And I used to announce that at the beginning of shows. I'd be like, hey, like one couple of rules, like don't interrupt the comics and please don't steal our shit. We live here. Um, and to this date, don't want to jinx us. So knock on wood. The only thing that's ever been stolen was a pair of sunglasses. And we only know that because the kid came back the next day. He's like, hey, man, like you guys actually put on a pretty awesome thing. And I just felt real bad about taking these. So I'm a I'm going to give them back. <laughs> and we're like, oh, all right. Thanks, man. Like weird. It's kind of a weird F you because you're figuring out somebody stole shit as they're returning it. And you're like, he's doing the right thing. But like he didn't. I was like, all right, this is morally conflicting. So I'm just going to say thank you. And please don't do that again if you come back. I asked Michael to describe what the show is like for someone who's never been there. It can be strange to wander into someone's house expecting free entertainment but he does his best to create a welcoming atmosphere for everybody. So it started a few years ago. So Salsa Parlor kind of morphed out of like college comedy house parties. Um, If you remember uh, Tom's 825 house show, it was just like, hey, bunch of college kids watching comedy in a house. And he graduated. I was still in town. I was like, I want to keep it going. So at first it kind of felt like a like a college party with a theme where it's like, all right, we're going to do a house show. Um, and then, yeah, we had beer at what, at one point I was like, what is a, what does a good party need? Good people. And you know, some, some cheap, cheap drinks and entertainment. Like I'm way more on, on, uh, 
people and fun than I am. Like, you know, you don't need $60 craft beer. I'm like, all right, here's some PBR and Coors Banquet. But anyway, so uh, it morphed from like college to eventually like East Lansing and Lansing counties and older, older or more seasoned comedians hearing about the show and how much fun it was. So now it's just kind of like an eclectic house show where it's like, dude, you'll get baby boomers and older. You'll get new college kids all just packed into a living room that's rearranged into a stage kind of, you know, a, a comedy club style stage room. Um, so it's got like the charming aspect of being in somebody's house, but with like a kind of gritty professional tone because there's like stage lighting actual audio and cameras going on and then i don't know the beer the snacks and the candy just kind of wrap around to like a childish style you know college party slash high school party where it's like you could get wrecked but there's also cheetos and airheads so you're like all right and then uh once we got domino uh, uh sponsored by dominoes it was just hilarious because we were ordering pizzas like teenage mutant ninja turtles and then finally you know, now it's like, hey, if you want a kind of a horrific dinner provided as well, come on down to the Salsa Parlor show. And we'll feed you and laugh you. If that sounds good to you, know that the show happens last Saturday of every month. You can find out more by visiting the Salsa Parlor Facebook page, or you can follow them on Instagram. Their handle is at Salsa Parlor. For City Pulse, I'm Cole Tunningly. From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the Air.